Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Tell It Abs It Is podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL is Back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week one game with absolutely no strings attached. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs, and today we are continuing our rundown of the Central Division as we inch ever so closer to October 13th every single day. We are less than two months away, and today we will be previewing with Jeffrey Fink, of the What A Hockey podcast talking about the Dallas Stars. We have not seen since that game that does not need to be mentioned, but is unfortunately mentioned a couple times in this conversation. But yes, we have not seen the Dallas Stars since the bubble in Edmonton. They were in the Central last year while we were stuck out West. So we got caught up with everything that happened with them, how their injuries ultimately led to them missing the playoffs and having the season that they did, and how the Stars could end up being one of the biggest threats to the Avalanche this upcoming season. Ultimately, a great talk with Jeffrey from the What A Hockey podcast, and we went on for about an hour. We even ended up ripping on the, the, the Arizona Coyotes situation by the end of it. I was planning on saving that for next episode, but I feel like I got my thoughts out on this pretty well by the end of the conversation and just the mess that is the the poor, poor Arizona Coyotes getting booted out of their arena after this season. But hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Jeffrey Fink of the What A Hockey podcast, and I will talk to you guys once that's concluded again about an hour, and I hope you enjoy. All right, I am joined by the one and only Mr. Jeffrey Fink of the What a Hockey Podcast. Jeff, how's it going, man? What's going on with you? Uh, it's good. We're we're moving a little slow on this Sunday. Um, 
from from previous night's activities but you know we're, we're, we're battling back i guess you could say we're we're, we're about 80 percent should be should be ready for a, a nice little skate tonight uh to get into the week yep sounds like it just the week <laughs> winding down it's the middle of the off season not really a ton happening but jeffrey you're the host of the water hockey podcast talking about the dallas stars I'm trying to get hosts on from around the Central Division to get their takes on the upcoming season. But more importantly, with a team like Dallas, we didn't get to see you last year. And obviously, we remember the last time we met in the bubble in the second round. (laughs) We don't need to get too much into that just for (laughs) the sake of me and my listeners. But uh, we've missed you a bit. We almost had you out in the the West Division. Minnesota Mm -hmm. ended up replacing you guys at the last second. But what what was last season like for you guys since we couldn't see you? Uh, it was definitely tough, and I think I speak for all teams that towards the end of the season, it got kind of uh, almost repetitive and to the point where you were playing teams so often. I think they played every team, what, seven or eight times throughout the season. Um, but overall, I mean, it was uh, it was ultimately it was a disappointing season, um, as most would expect. You know, you come off a Stanley Cup appearance um, in the bubble the, the year previous and expectations are high, but you know, it, 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 they were plagued with injuries. They had issues with COVID that delayed them. Like we just talked about before we, we you know, jumped on uh, as well as the winter storm, which pushed them back another week. So having to condense all those games in a short amount of time with little rest and no really recovery time too, was a big thing that I think affected them. But all in all, I think, you know, stars fans are ready to get back into the central division. Uh, I think I speak for you and I both when I say that I wasn't too thrilled to see uh, Flurry hop into the Central Division. Would have liked to have not had to worry about him for a long time. But, I mean, we'll see how it goes. You've got, you know, a, a really uh, strong division, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in this next season. Yeah, I think I'm more than happy to not play the same teams eight times again. I mean, we, we had to play the teams like the Coyotes and the Ducks eight separate times, which was a drag for all of us. And I'm sure it was to an extent worse for you guys because you're mixed in with some of those Eastern Conference teams that you really got no general beef with. I imagine even like even a fun team like Florida, like that's got to get old after a little while. Uh, Yeah. And and especially with how well they played last season, I think they surprised everybody. Uh, It'll be it'll be nice to. to get those games against the, the coyotes uh, this season. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jump the gun and say they're automatic W's, but uh, it's might definitely, be. yeah, maybe it's a definitely, bit. maybe a little bit. It's definitely more exciting to see them on the schedule um, as opposed to the lightning and Panthers on back-to-back nights and things like that. So uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to, to kind of get back to the normalcy of the central division and see, you know, see you guys quite a bit and uh, hopefully try to make it out there to Denver to catch one of the games live. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to see some of those matchups between Dallas and Colorado again because we were kind of denied that rematch last year. Obviously, Game 7 overtime, second round. Initially, divisions are announced. I'm expecting to play Dallas eight times. I really loved loved how the Avs looked last year. I wanted to get that pound of flesh. And then last second, they replaced that with Minnesota. And I'm sure I can go back to some of my early episodes and – I was pretty disappointed at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, the the revenge tour uh, was just delayed by one season. I'm sure, I'm sure McKinnon uh, and all of his his guys not eating sugar um, are sitting in the locker room <laughs> looking at the schedule, chomping at the bit to get against uh, get back against Dallas. So, and it's great for for both franchises too. Uh, obviously, there is some uh, you know, there are some memories there and it'll be interesting to see how the team reacts to it. And I'm just hoping that Dallas comes out and is healthy and has a good show because I think last year, I don't, I don't see, uh, Dallas really putting up a fight against Colorado, um, with how well you guys played in the regular season into the playoffs. Yeah. That's uh that's what I'm saying. We, we missed that opportunity against the weakened Dallas team mm-hmm. because I don't think we're going to get that same Dallas team this year. I like what they did in the offseason. I like how a healthy Dallas team looks, but what are the expectations from Stars fans for this Stars team this season with the healthy roster and some key additions like Orion Suter? Um, it's it's hard to say. Obviously, every team's expectation is winning the Stanley Cup um, from every fan base, every front office, really, except for Seattle, who I really don't know what they're doing, but that's another conversation for another day. 
obviously the expectation is to get back into the playoffs um, at least uh, you know, it, it feels very much like this is a win now type scenario. Um, I believe we have a couple of guys, uh, one being Joe Pavelski, um, Alexander Radulov, um, and, you know, both of them coming off the books next season as unrestricted free agents and you and Klingberg, um, you know, guys like that, they're going to try to negotiate, I believe, to get Klingberg back. But, you know, it, it feels very win now type scenario. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really playoffs or bust. Uh, it'll be extremely interesting to see, you know, Jim Neal isn't very much of a, a trade deadline guy. Uh, you know, he's very much more of an offseason guy. Like you were saying, they made quite a splash in the free agency day one. Uh most notably, as far as like the trade deadline goes, they acquired, you know, Matt Zuccarello a couple of seasons ago, um, which pushed them into the playoffs, uh, took out Nashville round one, lost to St. Louis, who eventually won the cup in round two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they're at at the trade deadline uh, and if they are going to make any moves, you know, to kind of really push those chips all in. Um, but, yeah, expectations are playoffs or bust for us, I think. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm very interested to see where Dallas stacks up in this central division because the only thing that I really can say for certain in this division is Arizona at mm-hmm. the bottom. I don't think there's any contest about that. I think that's pretty simple. And I think for right now, at least, barring no injuries, Colorado up at the top. But I was talking with on my last episode, just thinking out loud about the divisions that Minnesota, I'm not too impressed by their offseason, and I really liked how Dallas has constructed their team. And when they're healthy, which I think is a big thing, I think I would, as of right now, have them up into second in the Central Division. But how big of a factor do you think injuries are going to play here? Do you think last season was just a one-off fluke, or do you think that there are serious injury concerns with this team? Because even dating back to the bubble, when Dallas went to the final, they went to that final with essentially half their roster. So do you see that this just that being in the past and the team can move on or are there still major concerns here? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say major. Uh, You know, it's, it's funny because we talked about last season being condensed and then playing so much hockey and so little amount of time, Um, but, and not making the playoffs, which, in hindsight, you look at it now and you almost kind of wonder if that was a blessing in disguise. And I say that because they've had a much longer offseason than they're generally used to. Um, and that's also coming off a quick turnaround from the uh, the previous season before that in the bubble. So they played a lot of hockey in a very, very short amount of time than what they're generally used to. Um, that being said, uh, yeah, I, I really think bearing injuries is what's going to push this team over the top uh, to to get back into the playoffs and hopefully make a, a deep run. Um, you know, you were missing guys like Tyler Sagan. Um, Alexander Radulov came back, made a huge difference from an initial injury and then went right back on the IR. And then his season was shut down. Um, Rupe Hintz basically skated injured almost the entire season. Um, he was a game time decision every night. I mean, at one point, Jim No came out and said, yeah, he's a game time decision for the yeah. entire season. I, I actually have a story about that with the with our sponsor DraftKings. I would make lineups towards the end of the season, and mm-hmm. I most of the time I'd put Rope Hints in there because when he did play, he would always get me points. But the thing right. with DraftKings is that they don't tell you until he is officially out. And the thing with hockey, obviously, is they don't reveal their lineups until like 15 minutes before the game. So about half the time I would play Rope Hints, I would just be essentially out of player and I'd have to check five minutes before every single game (laughs) just to make sure that this guy was playing because when he would play I would win and I would make some money but it's just I got so frustrated of it by the end I just I had to start avoiding him and I I would start losing because I other people would play hints and I wouldn't yep he's uh he's a difference maker and they were showing kind of like the different uh, people drafted around him. Uh, I believe it was 2017, 2018, somewhere around there when he was drafted, but he uh, it's kind of a, a, a ghost town. Like you don't, you don't recognize any of the other names, but he's been a huge difference maker. Uh, but you know, if he can stay healthy, that's another, that's another guy you have back in the lineup uh, on the defensive end. You know, obviously we lost Alexiak, uh, but uh, with the signing of Yanni Hockenbach, 
uh, that was a big that was a big get for our team, and apparently quite a few teams were in on oh, him. Oh yeah, we so. we really wanted Yanni Hockenpah, especially that three year one point five contract. We would mm-hmm. have been we I think the Avalanche were in on that, but obviously Hockenpah made the choice of going to be with his fellow Finns in Dallas, yeah. which was ultimately the decision, from what I remember. Yep, we've got the uh, we've been dubbed the Finnish Mafia. Um, it's a top to bottom kind of thing, uh, and then lastly, uh, you know, I, kind of going back to the injuries. You still have Ben Bishop, who is just an enigma at this point. We don't know if he's healthy. We don't know if he's going to start the season on LTIR. Um, you know, it's he's he's not getting any younger. He's 34. It's so funny because, you know, I, I really think it does boil down to health. A lot of our guys are um, early to mid-30s, and I think really that age is going to start kind of coming into play. So we'll kind of see what happens. And, yeah, I think if we can stay healthy, uh, the Stars are definitely going to be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and going back to that last point about uh, Ben Bishop, the Stars goaltending situation, I think, is one of the most interesting storylines to follow going into this upcoming season. Because obviously, they went out and signed Braden Holtby, which Mm -hmm. surprised me quite a bit because I've heard phenomenal things about Jake Ottinger. There's Mm -hmm. also Anton Hudobin. So there are potentially four goalies that are going to be vying for a spot. Because from what I've heard as well, or at least from what I remember, Jake Ottinger was at least told to prepare to battle for a starting job, but he's also got, let's just, let's even just say that Bishop's out of the equation. He's got Hudobin and Holtby to contend with already. Are they just preparing to deal with injuries or what, what is the plan here? Because I, for one, just haven't been able to really wrap my head around it. Uh, it's funny you say that because Stars fans feel the exact same way. I mean, really going into the off season, we didn't expect you know, we were all just as surprised as you were when Holpe got announced uh, being signed for that one-year deal. Um, and I think that's when that that the sentiment of when now really started to kind of present itself. That being said, Ottinger played extremely well for his rookie season, and we're all still scratching our heads quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see what the Stars do uh, Jim Neal has gone on record to say that they expect Ottinger to come in and compete for a number one, you know, starting goalie position as well. But what really kind of it boils down to is they just want him to be able to play as much as possible. So if Holpe and Dobby or Kudobin, uh, you know, get that opening night roster spot, it's going to be interesting to see Ottinger go back down to the AHL and play some meaningful hockey. Obviously the AHL didn't have like official seasons. They just had kind of weird roundabout weight seasons but yeah, it was it was basically glorified preseason games yeah it was just constant glorified preseason games that's exactly how that's a great way to put it but uh it'll be weird i mean we're we're really confused we would love to see ottinger stick around uh in the nhl this is his team essentially um so yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but from what it sounds like i think they picked up holpe with the intention of starting bishop on ltir um we may have seen the last of bishop in the nhl to be completely honest with you uh, yeah. the poor guy is just so injury prone and he's i believe 34 years old so not getting any younger body's really not maybe responding to rehab like it was before but you know it'll be a sad day if he ends up retiring because of injuries uh but it seems like the stars jim nil uh you know rick bonus they're all preparing for Holpe and uh, Hudobin on starting our on opening night. And then barring injury, maybe Ottinger slides back up into that B role. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad thing to have good goaltending depth and be prepared for injuries. And it looks like looking at the stars cap situation right now, they look to be exactly one Ben Bishop over the salary cap, which placing him right on LTIR would make them cap compliant mm-hmm. for the season. It's just, is there any chance that Ben Bishop plays this season do you think do you think this is a temporary thing or should we really just kind of prepare for him to be out the entire year for the second year in a row because we we obviously haven't seen him since the the three games that he played in the bubble he like I just remember that now who Dobin was the guy for some Mm -hmm. reason I always thought it was Bishop but it wasn't who Dobin was he only played three games and got hurt and that was the last we've seen of him he didn't play correct me if I'm wrong but he didn't play at all last year did he no he uh he and Tyler Sagan both had off-season surgeries uh, to repair, uh, I believe, lower body injuries. Um, with Sagan, it was a labrum. I don't quite remember what Bishop's was, but... Uh, Is it a hip? I think it was a hip, yeah. yeah. But 
it's it's really tough to say. I think if we see the team start him on LTIR this season, uh, it may be with the intention of buying him out on that final year and then just, you know, cutting ties, releasing him uh, unless he ends up, you know, uh, do go, going the, the route of retirement. So I want to say realistically, I'm looking at like a 25% chance that we see Bishop ever play hockey again. Um, and that's with the Dallas Stars or any other team that takes a chance on him if he if he actually does get bought out. Yeah, it's a shame because Bishop's always been a, a remarkable goalie. Even mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay, he was always a Vesna candidate. And ever since coming to Dallas, he's been a Vesna candidate. But he's just never been able to escape that injury bug. And he was offered up to Seattle for free in the expansion draft. And they obviously had the foresight to be like you're saying right now, this guy's probably not going to play a game again, which is, which is very unfortunate. But the one thing Dallas seems to have a lot of is goaltending depth. Hudobin obviously took them to the final. Holtby, one of my personal favorite players, and a young guy in Jake Ottinger. It's one, it's one of the things that I think Dallas has an advantage over Colorado with. That is just secure goaltending depth, which was one of our big weaknesses from last season. Franco's out the entire year. We're relying on Hunter Miska until we had to make two separate trades to get a backup guy. And now going into this season, hopefully we have pretty much two very injury prone goalies who are very good when they're healthy. But the main concern is like Pavel Franco's missed the entirety of last season, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Darcy Kemper has a big history of being injured. So I'm, I'm a little envious of, <laughs> the amount of work that you guys put into making sure that you've got solid goalies and Jonas Johansson, our number three, I like him. I think he's solid, but it's all it's going to take is um, the wrong way to make a save from Kemper. And all of a sudden we might be in some, some deep trouble, which I hope, hope won't be the case, but you were talking about it a little earlier, this stars team, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, is on average the oldest team in the NHL. They're going toe-to-toe with the Capitals for the oldest team in the NHL. And you were talking about this a little early. How many shots do you think this Stars team realistically has at winning a Stanley Cup? Do you think this might be this core's last run? Because obviously Pavelski's expiring, Klingberg's mm-hmm. expiring, their goaltending situation is getting older and older. Do you think this might be their last kick at the can or do you still think that there's going to be juice in this team after this season? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I think again, like I said earlier, they're very much in a win now type mentality um, because of the moves that they did make and kind of to speak on uh, before I jump too deep into it to speak on not only how we have kind of a, a wealth of goaltending, we also have an extremely solid blue line from top that to bottom. That is very, very true. And that's, it's so funny because, you know, flashback five to 10 years ago, and we were one of the poorest defensive teams in the league. And all we could talk about was like just getting more guys on the blue line that could shore up that defensive core. Uh, And now we are pumping out, you know, some of the best production with Miro Heiskin. And, you know, I think you and I can both agree we're very lucky as far as our young defensemen go. Yes, Um, absolutely. But but yeah, I I think this is, uh, I think this and maybe, maybe next season are realistically, your best chances at winning. Um, it'll be interesting because they are short up with Van and Sagan. And so I want to say around 24, 25, and then 26, 27, respectively. Yes. Um, 25, as as- 24, 25 for Ben and Sagan is 26, 27. He's expired. Okay, perfect. So yeah, you look at that. And I mean, obviously those are two guys who they built this roster kind of around, but you know, there is a big youth movement coming with this team. I mean, you've got guys like uh, Ty Delandria who played a couple of games last season. They ended up sending him down to the AHL off the taxi squad, just kind of like with the Jake Ottinger situation, um, just to get reps in. They want their guys to keep playing. Um, and then obviously this last uh, draft, they drafted, I think, 10 guys, which was the most uh, that they had drafted in seven or eight years uh, so there's definitely some excitement, some buzz in our minor league system. Now, uh, the Texas stars, our AHL affiliate are absolutely stacked. It'll be interesting to watch them, but I think you're going to see a win now mentality from the Dallas stars this year and next year, that doesn't work out maybe a little bit of a decline for a year or two. And then once these young kids start coming up, I mean, you got Jason Robertson, who was 
in my opinion, truly rookie of the year. But I think just to cut you off, sorry about that, but I think Jason Robertson right now is the most underrated player in the league. He got buried behind Kaprizov for Mm -hmm. rookie of the year. Kaprizov was basically crowned on the first day. Robertson called everyone by surprise. He had about a day of conversation around him. I think people don't realize how good that kid is going to be. I was really, really impressed with him. And I think he'll be a big part of that star's roster. And he does, he doesn't get enough attention yet, but I think he will. Cause he, I think even he's not even the most talked about in his family with obviously Nick Robertson being in Toronto hockey Mecca, Mm -hmm. he gets all the attention. Jason Robertson, I think is a big, big name to watch out for this upcoming season. He's really underrated. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, I think it's going to, it depends on what they do with him as far as the lines go and who they pair him up with. Uh, but he's a big body. He's physical. Uh, he can hold his own in the corners on the boards, and he's extremely electric. The guy has phenomenal vision on the ice. Seeing some of the passes that he made uh, throughout the season on top of the goals that he scored were just absolutely crispy from top to bottom. So, yeah, I I think there's going to be a win-now mentality uh, this year, next year, and then maybe a, a one- to two-year window where they kind of you know restructure a couple of things here and there. But at that point, you'll have Ottinger in, you'll have Robertson, you'll have Delandria, uh, Thomas Harley, who is another extremely high draft pick defenseman. He might, you know, he's put, he's knocking on the door as it is right now. He could absolutely play himself into a spot going into opening night. But again, they're really picky with these guys and they want their guys to be playing as much hockey as physically possible to keep them sharp. So it wouldn't surprise me if you do see a lot of these guys that are knocking on the door end up and staying in the AHL, uh, you know, firing injuries from the, the big club up top. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I think uh, I think for the first time in a very long time, this team is not only producing at the top, they're producing at the bottom as well. And throughout the entire organization, there's a buzz of this team, not just being a factor for the next couple of seasons, but I mean, we're talking for the next five to six, seven years of this team being just an absolute powerhouse with these kids coming up. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. A lot. Dallas, in my opinion, is a very underratedly well-run organization. You see mm-hmm. them success and making it. There's just these times that Dallas randomly misses the playoffs, like last season, obviously, with injuries. And then they get the, the three picks that they got for trading that pick to Detroit in the draft that they used to replenish their system. A couple of years ago, they miss. They get the third overall pick and draft Miro Heiskin in, which mm-hmm. obviously has worked out very, very well yeah. for them. They just... They seem to just do the, the like they don't get a ton of attention as being like a, an amazingly well-run team. Like Colorado gets that attention sometimes, like with the, mm-hmm. the Matt Duchesne trade and with their incredibly deep system as well as being at the top of the league. But Dallas, I feel like they do a really good job at flying under the radar and catching teams by surprise. Because I think people look at them as, oh, they're this old team. They're going to drop off, bottom off and rebuild. I don't, I don't really see that coming for Dallas because they've already done, like you were saying, a great job of replenishing that system and always having a wealth of guys underneath them because we just talked about Jake Ottinger, who's going to come in and replace Hudobin and Bishop once they eventually age out as they're 34 and 35. Talked about Thomas Harley coming in. I mean, the, the Dallas defense is surprisingly not that old. You've got Suter, who's 36, but he's mm-hmm. a new addition. And you've got Miro Heiskanen at 22 years old. Thomas Harley, probably going to plug in sooner than later. And obviously, we were talking about Jason Robertson. And now all these guys that they've got in the system that are going to start to come plug in as this team gets older. So I'm, I've been surprisingly impressed by Dallas over the last several seasons with how they've built their team and how they've really set themselves up for the future as well. Because as Avs fans, I think we're expecting a a long time of, of dominance of the central division with the way we've built our team with obviously our top ends of talents and obviously guys like Byram and new hook who've come up into the system as well. But I, I see Dallas as being a, a thorn in our side for a long time, especially they've been a thorn in our side in the past early in this, this cup window in the bubble. But that kind of brings me to this season. How do you see the stars matching up with the avalanche? in this upcoming season. What do you, what do you think, if any, the stars can use as an advantage over the avalanche? Cause they last time they played in the regular season, if I remember correctly, the avalanche, I don't think they beat the stars during the regular season. Do you use there? 
Is no. there something? Yeah, because I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to think about it now. I think we, I think like the those weird round robin games in the bubble. I think we won that one. Mm-hmm. I don't really count that for anything. Right. But there's something about this Stars team that the the old Avalanche, which they really weren't that different from last year's team outside of a couple additions. What is it about the Stars that they can bring into this season and potentially slow the Avalanche down again? I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the defensive side of things. Um, you know, obviously Nathan McKinnon, and this is my personal opinion, when he's on, he is the best player in the world. Uh, when he's on his game, he is, to me, more electrifying than Connor McDavid. It seems if it seems as if, as if he puts a little bit more effort towards it. The only difference is Connor McDavid looks makes it look like it doesn't take any effort to be amazing. Right. Um, but yeah, I really think it's going to boil down to the defensive side of things. As we were talking about earlier, the goaltending you know, situation in Colorado is a tad suspect, um, whereas we have a little bit more of a confidence uh, in, bet- in between the pipes for, for the Stars. So I, I don't want to say that we're evenly matched on the offensive level. I think that you guys at the Avalanche definitely have the, the advantage in that situation, but I really think it just boils down to the defensive side of things. So a, a perfect example is the Stars a couple of seasons ago before the bubble uh, matched up extremely poorly against the Columbus Blue Jackets because the Columbus Blue Jackets play a very slow, slow-paced style at the time. Um, you know, with Seth Jones, they were more about puck possession and slowing down the pace of play, and the Stars couldn't really counter that. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with the Avalanche and Stars right now is they both have similar styles of play, but because of the way that the Stars can handle them on the defensive side, it kind of tilts the favor towards Dallas a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how well this decor meshes. Uh, and then once they get their lines figured out, obviously, you know, you got guys like Essel and Dell, who's just a clock eater, usually skates 25 to 30 minutes a night, just ungodly amounts of time on the ice. You'll probably see him paired up with Miro Heisken in the start or with John Klingberg. And then you'll, you know, like we were talking about, you, Ryan Suter is now a factor. And he brings a completely different style of play with that veteran presence on the ice that not that the defensive guys don't have now, obviously making the trip to the cup finals, but it brings a different dynamic of, of leadership on that uh, defensive side of things where I think right now the true leader is probably Klingberg. It'll be interesting to see how Suter kind of meshes in as well. So it just, it, I'm getting excited just talking about the fact that you could skate out essentially Suter and Heiskin on the top line, Lindell and Klingberg on the second line. And then you still have, you know, Yanni Hockenpah sitting there waiting just to bash someone against the boards if it's needed. So, uh, and then, you know, Andre Sekera, that's another one of those guys who's a little bit older, um, just signed on a one-year deal extension. And he just kind of gives you that veteran presence on the bottom four. Um, so I think defensively is where the swing kind of tilts towards the stars. Uh, but again, you know, it, like we were talking about earlier, hockey is a, a beautiful sport. Uh, but people have uh, long-term memory. So I'm sure that the Avalanche are still looking at the schedule and seeing the stars and going back to that game seven with uh, y'all Kiviranta, you know, with the hat trick game winner. So yeah, I think everyone's excited about it. There's definitely a buzz in the air. I've got some uh, friends down here in Dallas that are abs fans that are chomping at the bit to get to those games. And I think we're all just ready to watch some hockey. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think you bring up a good point about the defensive matchups because last year, the Avalanche, analytically at least, were the best defensive team in hockey. But if I remember right, Dallas was hanging right around there as well. So to see how these two defenses match up against each other with a Kale McCarr and Devon Tay's top line going mm-hmm. up against uh, a Heiskanen and Suter top line should be plenty interesting. I think in terms of High-end star power on defense, I would give that edge to the Avalanche with Makar, Taze, Gerard, and hopefully Bo Byram takes a step this mm-hmm. year into a top-four defenseman. But the depth that Dallas has on their defense, which is something the Avalanche had a bit of last year, but they they handicapped themselves a little bit in the, the playoffs with that at times, which was one of our downfalls against Vegas. But the addition of Yanni Hockenpah, I think gives the depth part of Dallas's defense that little bit of an advantage because we did add Ryan Murray to the mix, who I I think fits the Avalanche's system very well. But I I think their first choice, just as just my speculation, would have been to get Yanni Hockenpah. And I think what it comes down to, I think the the 
pivot between who's going to have the better defense here is going to be Eric Johnson. If he stays healthy and performs to his potential, I think that would tilt the favor towards the avalanche a bit. But if like last season, he's hurt for most of the season and we're going to have to rely on an unproven Byram to step in and maybe put Curtis McDermott into the lineup, which I wouldn't be crazy about. I think that scale would start to tilt back towards Dallas a bit because we did end up losing Ryan Graves, who was a big part Mm -hmm. of our penalty kill, but I'm excited to see how those two match up defensively. I think people might be looking at those matchups with the expectation that's going to be the avalanches offense of McKinnon versus the stars defense. I think those are going to be two very solid defensive matchups to watch between obviously Kale McCarr and Miro Heiskin. And I think that's going to be a very, very fun matchup to watch to see how those two have, have grown in their year away. I think we're both going to be pretty surprised just by how much those two have grown. And speaking of Miro Heiskin, and do you see him competing for a Norris this upcoming season? Cause going into last season, I think I did have Heiskin and, as my Norris pick. And I can't really remember was high did high skin take some kind of step back last season. Cause I feel like he wasn't as prominent in uh, defensive conversations as he was the, the year before. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it really boils down to the whole team was just struggling um, again. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode with just the, the lack of time with rest and, and injuries and things of that sort. Um, I think you saw kind of a, a downtick uh, just for the, the whole team all around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. He's just so quiet. He's not outspoken. Uh, you know, now he does. We were all expecting too for him to get more of a, a bridge contract. Um, but obviously uh, this was the, the off season of signing defensemen to multi-year deals at around eight to $9 million, as we saw with multiple guys, McCarr being one of them. Uh so, yeah, he did have a little bit of a down year. Um, but what's great about Heiskanen is even when he has a down year, it's still like one of the top producing defensive, you know, offensive minded defensive players in the league. And he still has that presence on the ice. He's still that guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to say that, you know, it'll be a growing year for him bouncing back from kind of a down season. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what he does. Uh, but again, he's, he's a pretty closed book. He doesn't really show a lot of emotion. Um, so we'll have to see kind of what that effect had on him mentally. And I guarantee you, we'll see the same guy that we saw two seasons ago. Uh, the guy who lit up the league and he'll, he'll definitely compete for the Norris one day. Um, I think he may be a little washed out with the rest of the defensive talent that we have right now. So it might kind of balance his numbers out a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's a top line guy. He's obviously your guy of the future for the defense and the star system with that contract. Uh, you know, Wesley Lundell is right behind him. And I think Klingberg, if they can get a deal worked out, they're already doing negotiations with him. We'll probably see another big multi-year deal. Um, again, that's kind of factoring in what happens with Ben Bishop. Uh, and then obviously with Joe Pavelski and Alexander Radulov, as you said earlier, both coming off the books, potentially, I mean, you're looking at almost $20 million in cap space um, that you're saving with those guys coming off the books that you could potentially put towards Klingberg. Um, but yeah, definitely look for an advanced uh, style play from high skinning going into next year. And I'd say he probably will at least get one Norris in his time in the NHL. I don't see him, you know, really dropping off. Um, and then knock on wood, he's not very injury prone. Um, he's been pretty much healthy the moment that he stepped onto the ice in our system and he hasn't looked back. So I would say within the next five years, we'll see at least one Norris trophy, uh, being hoisted by Heiskanen. Yeah, I think I would agree with that as well. And, and speaking of those, those big contracts, I think we both got the, the best of that market signing our guys before those. Seth Jones and Darnell Nurse and Wawrenski contracts came in because I think we've got probably two of the best like high-end defensive contracts in the league. McCarr at nine times eight or nine times seven or nine times six. And Heiskanen signed for was about 8.5 for for eight years. I think that was what yeah. it was. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's uh, 8.45, but I mean, yeah. it's just... Yeah, we it's it's kind of funny to look at right now, especially like you were saying those other ones. The nurse contract kind of blew me away a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a rough I, one. Yeah, it was really interesting to see that. And um, 
who was the most recent signing? If, I think it was the Islanders. Was it was it Nurse or was it another another guy? Adam Pellick was about six million, I believe. I think right. Nurse was the last big one that was okay. signed. It was it was Jones, Wierenski, and Nurse that got those huge deals, from what I remember. And Hamilton may, is making nine. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> the the Jones contract cracked me up too because, you know, he yeah. was he was he basically boiled it down to Chicago and Dallas were his choices where he wanted to play. Um, and right. I, I forgot Dallas was in on that. Yeah, Dallas was in heavy, uh, but people also were dangling the idea of making a trade for Seth Jones with John Klingberg. Yes, Dallas, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Dallas fans are kind of weird with John Klingberg. You have a very. Uh, a very vast difference in fandom. Some that think that Klingberg, myself, extremely talented defenseman, um, amazing o- offensively with the with the puck, um, a little bit of a liability on the defensive side. But then you have people that are like, trade away, like get rid of him. We don't want him here. I, I don't get the hate. I don't understand it. But you know, NHL fans are finicky, and you end, add into the mix that we have the Dallas Cowboys fandom kind of bleeding into our mindset and you get that, you know, overreaction mentality, um, unfortunately is, is kind of, that's what Klingberg is suffering from the overreaction mentality. So, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll get reactions like that from, from every single fan, but it's like, you like as fans listening to this, you're not going crazy that people do the same thing to Sam Gerard right now. Dallas, they do the same thing to Klingberg. Every fan base has just a random guy who's actually really good that people just for some reason can't stand. Because like I was just saying, we have that with Sam Gerrard after the Vegas series. Now, apparently he's too small. He's not good enough. You can't win with that kind of defense, even though he's on, in my opinion, a, a top five contract in the league at $5 million until the end of time. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Klingberg, I've always just seen him as a, as a real solid addition to that star's defense that makes them so dangerous and what's going to end up making them such a, a threat to the Avalanche this upcoming season. You look at their their top-end guys like Klingberg, Lindell, Heiskinen, and then their great depth at the bottom. I don't understand it, but there's always, there's always going to be some people that just you can you can never please. And I think I think Dallas is going to be quite happy they didn't make that deal for Seth Jones with that big mm-hmm. contract. I mean, Seth Jones is going to be a, a Blackhawk for nine years. I mean, that's a long time. I'm going to be almost 30 by that, by the time <laughs> that contract expires. I mean, you look at it like this, both McCarr and Heiskanen are going to be hitting the open market, the free agency market before Seth Jones does, which is pretty crazy to think about and considering that he makes more than both of them a million dollars more than high skin and half a million dollars more than McCarr. it's i for chicago's sake i hope he is as advertised because before that contract even kicks in that might already be a mistake for them because we've seen jones analytically take a plummet over the last couple years and We'll see how the Blackhawks end up being in the Central this season. I'm not sold on them as a playoff team yet. I mean, what what do you think of the just the general gist of the the Central Division right now? Where do you see the Stars kind of lining up? Because I think you get from my opinion is one's Colorado, eight's Arizona, and you've got kind of a, a mess in the middle there. But my personal opinion is Dallas kind of ends up towards the top there. But what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, I think, I think your one and eight are pretty, uh, pretty, pretty on par. Uh, I think Colorado is just going to play another phenomenal regular season. Um, you know, TBD on what they do in the playoffs. I think that's obviously kind of one of those things where you got to get the, uh, you get the monkey off the back kind of situation. Um, it's kind of tough, you know, St. Louis is pesky. They always like to stick around. They've got Bennington, uh, who I actually, I absolutely cannot stand. Um, he's like probably one of my least favorite players, but he's a solid goalie. Um, (laughs) Chicago did make a lot of really solid offseason moves. I think they've got a decent core. Obviously, you're getting Taze back. Um, Kane is just playing like Patrick Kane. He's still one of the top you know, producers in the league. Um, it'll be tough. I think Dallas is going to be kind of vying for that third spot. Uh, I, I think you can see another team kind of sneak in. It wouldn't surprise me if it is Chicago. 
Um, I think they're playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder going into next season. And, you, you know, you put a guy like Mike Andre Fleury on any team, the team instantly gets wildly better. Um, I think I see the wild kind of falling off. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what that front office is really doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, with the buyouts of Suter and Parise, it's like, you know, they're going to be in some serious financial troubles uh, in a very, very short time. Yeah. So, um, and then the ongoing negotiations with Kaprizov, it, it makes it really interesting to kind of see what the inner workings are like. So, um, one, two, three, I think Colorado, um, Chicago really wouldn't surprise me at the number two spot with Dallas rounding it out at number three. Uh, and then just a battle for number four, I think, will be probably Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg is always a pesky team. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Pierre-Luc Dubois plays going into this next full yeah, season. That's, that's the big thing for them with Dubois, because if, if, yeah. he, if he's as good as he was in Columbus a few years ago, I think Winnipeg might be in contention for that second spot at that point, especially mm-hmm. after they finally built a defense for the first time in three years. I think they could be a big threat. Yeah, I think they're coming off a really uh, – surprising playoff um i think they played extremely well um for the most part but um yeah it'll be interesting i think we're gonna see nashville st louis minnesota and arizona out of the playoffs um with the top four uh you know maybe a wild card spot thrown in there as well but yeah dallas probably the three or four spot um realistically i can see them it wouldn't surprise me if they snuck in on a wild card bid again um but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see the uh, the Pacific Division is not very strong, so I really don't see one of their teams taking that wild card spot. Um, I think you will probably see obviously the Oilers. Um, Vegas is definitely going to be making you know another round to the uh, or another trip to the playoffs, and then it just kind of drops off after that. Yeah, I after mean, that, like I'd even argue it, it drops off after Vegas. I'm not entirely sure that Edmonton's going to be able to keep pucks out of their net the entire true. season and. To, they have to have at least three teams in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're getting any of those two wild card spots. I think I think for the Central, at least, you can bet on five teams making it. I and for Dallas, at least, I bet they'll at least be one of those five. Yeah, I agree. I think the Central Division is wildly more talented than the Pacific Division. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think you see five teams from the uh, the Western Conference making it into the playoffs. Uh, and yeah, I think we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see some quality hockey and I, I'm excited to see what happens with both of our teams. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting because I, I agree. Arizona and Nashville aren't going to make it. I had the, the Nashville guys on last week. They're not sold on the predators as a playoff team after their last off season. And it pretty mm-hmm. much just leaves, I think one open spot outside the playoffs that I think is going to be a, a pretty decent team that's going to miss. I'm Honestly, I have no idea who it's going to be. Even if Minnesota does take a step back, I still think they're solid enough to make it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Chicago, they had a good offseason, and I see where you're coming from with that. But when it comes to Flurry, I think a trade like that and you're questioning your entire career, I don't know if you really can mentally fully bounce back from that and just be able to give that same kind of performance that he had in Vegas, which I really think just, I think Vegas, it was pretty obvious for him there that it reignited him and his, his love for being a starter again and bringing mm-hmm. him back to his good old day. I don't know if Chicago's going to be able to do that for them. And I like what they did. I think their offense is going to be lethal. I mean, DeBrincat went under the radar as a 32 goal guy last year. He was a mm-hmm. top five in the, in the rocket race and they're getting Kane producing Tays back. Kirby Doc back. And I'm just still not sold if it's going to be enough. And I think with St. Louis, like you were saying with, uh, with Jordan Bennington, I think their playoff hopes rest with him. If he, if he is just even average, I don't think that's going to be good enough for them. I like the, I like that they added Brandon sod. I mean, I'm not happy they added Brandon sod. I wish, (laughs) I wish we would have kept him, but I kind of hate how well he fits there, but they're going to be an interesting one to watch. There's gonna, I think there's going to be a solid team in this division that misses the playoffs, but I, I would fully expect there to be five teams making it. And I think Winnipeg is flying under the radar mm-hmm. as one of the more underrated threats in the division, especially if Dubois is as good as he was in Columbus a few years ago. Hellebuck 
excellent goalie. They added Brendan mm-hmm. Dillon and Nate Schmidt, and they can finally be able to ice an NHL defense. I mean, you look at their depth chart finally. Like for the last couple of years, I felt like I was going crazy looking at them because yeah. they would have this this great offense and this great goalie, and they're just it would just be like Josh Morrissey and his band of merry men, and then. You finally add Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, and they have what looks like three solid pairs, which I think is going to help them out a lot here. And I think they'll end up being top three with Dallas. As for who's taken what spot, I think is pretty much up for debate and injuries at that point. Because every Mm -hmm. we can, I have all these predictions going into every season. Then by the first week, they're completely upended by injuries (laughs) and everything as, as the, as the tale, as old as time goes. But yeah, I think one, seven and eight are kind of locked down Colorado one, Nashville seven, Arizona eight. I mean, Arizona's not even trying. They're not, they're not, they're not even pretending to try saying that they're not even trying is not even an insult. They are Mm -hmm. actively, they've, they've like eight draft picks in the first two rounds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were talking about that on the, uh, the expansion draft show that, uh, I did with some friends, but yeah, it's wild. How many, how many they just got sitting there now, granted, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Obviously, you know, the biggest news out of, out of the NHL world last week was that the arena wasn't going to renew their lease with the team. Um, I really just, I really think it's the experiment was great. Uh, you built a great history. Uh, you made a great relationship with the city, but the team was just not run correctly. And I think yeah. it's time to call a spade a spade. Uh, I know a lot of people have been like pushing for Quebec to get a team, but you know, we're sitting down here in Texas and it's surprising how much of a hockey hotbed Dallas has become. I mean, we had the world juniors recently. Uh, you know, we had the winter classic, we've had the draft here in the past five years. Uh, so that all that kind of wrapped up being said, I, Really, really hope that the NHL takes a long look at Houston as a potential suitor for um, bringing in a team. I mean, the arena can uh, it's it's hockey accessible. Uh, and then you turn around, you take the AHL affiliate, put them in San Antonio because the San Antonio rampage did exist. Um, they have an arena at the AT&T Center in San Antonio that's also hockey ready. Um, so, I mean, the 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 framework is there for a move. Uh, but I think it's just time to take that team out of it. I mean, it's really tough to watch. You want to see a team succeed. You want to see them flourish. But with how excited Seattle was for their expansion team and how well Vegas has been doing as far as their expansion goes, I think it's just it's high time for, I think, the NHL to take a look at their kind of Southern Hemisphere um, you know, namesake and trademarks and take a chance on a Houston team. But obviously that's personal. Um, we just want to get more hockey here in Texas and selfishly, I'd love to have a second team. Uh, we need a rival and I'd love to hate Houston. So come on down. Yeah. The Arizona situation just, it, it just continues to get worse and worse. And this is just what happens when you don't have proper ownership running a team. It's just, it seems like every year there's something with Arizona that just makes them seem worse. And when you're, as bad as you are for as long as they are, they made the playoffs once since they went to the conference final in 2012. And that was in the bubble, no fans. They made no money off of that and got crushed in five games by us. Mm -hmm. And now they're going right back to the bottom again. They're going to struggle to sell tickets again. They're getting kicked out of their arena next year again. (laughs) It's just at a certain point, how, how is how am I supposed to believe that Arizona can sustain a hockey team and that they shouldn't be moved to, like you say, Houston or Quebec or even Kansas City, I think, would be better suited mm-hmm. for a hockey team than Arizona. It's not to say that Arizona doesn't have fans. It's just that they need if nothing else, they've got to just and they already did this, but they need to get new ownership in there again and just get people who can afford to run this team and to give them the money that they need to ice a proper hockey team. Because like I was just saying, how many strikes are we at now with this team? Like, is this not the final straw? They're getting kicked out again because I don't don't remember the exact reason, but after the bubble, they were late on payments for the arena and late on paying players, their signing bonuses. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. They're going through a full on rebuild. Like we were just saying, they have seven draft picks in the first two rounds, two firsts and five second round picks. God. They're actively tanking. They, yeah. They're not even trying. They have 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 contracts expiring after this season. And it's it hasn't worked. It's never worked ever since they moved from Winnipeg. And just when this team comes back this time, it's going to be better. And magically, all the problems that have existed with this team are going to magically be solved this time. I, I just don't see it with them. And I, I fully agree. I think Houston would be an excellent option for the NHL to move Arizona to. It's in that same Southern market. You can prove that hockey does work in the South. Like you obviously look at Dallas. They've been an incredibly successful team with a vibrant fan base. And Houston has a great fan base with the Texans as well. They've proven that they are a sports market mm-hmm. and just, it doesn't look good for the league when you have this team just consistently floundering over and over again, because it's not like they're the only bad team in the league, but there's no talk about the Sabres moving. This is just a pure Arizona problem because they Mm -hmm. just, they've done a terrible job in essentially every single facet with drafting, with signing, with even marketing to their own fans. Like I just don't see how you can continue to, to try this experiment without trying something else yeah it's i mean you pretty much said it all there it's really sad to watch um i hope something comes of it uh, of the positive nature i just feel terrible for the fans i mean that's the that's the big thing and and how long can you continue to be a fan i mean at what point do you call a spade a spade and just say i'm done with this team i don't want to go to any more games it's not fun anymore um so i think It'll be really interesting to see what this next season holds for them. Obviously, they have a ton of draft picks coming up. Uh, but like you and I both said, they're not going to compete. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting because you know the fan base is going to drop off. People are not going to actively try to go to these games. And the tickets are probably going to plummet. And coming off of the pandemic, they've already lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, all the All the teams have. The whole league has. But when you're in the situation that they are, it only makes it worse and more tough to dig themselves out of the hole that they're in. Uh, So, you know, I love the Kachina jerseys. I love what they did in the league for the time that they were around. Um, I'll always remember Jeremy Roenick's jaw getting broken by Darian Hatcher against the boards fondly. Um, But it, it just, it's, it's painful to see it happen. And it's almost like one of those, you just need to rip the bandaid off. Um, I would say, you know, if ownership is serious about this team, then the best thing that they could do for the team is sell it and relocate it. I, I really just don't think that them holding on to it is going to be good for anybody. Um, I really hope we don't get any news of them extending with another arena. It'll just mean that we get to watch them be mediocre or poor for the next however many years they're going to be around. Um, but yeah, it's, it's time to rip the Band-Aid off. I think the ownership needs to look for, you know, look for buyers for that franchise and just hope for the best and hope that they land in a good city. Yeah. I mean, how can you blame the the city of Glendale for being like, why would we renew this contract? What mm-hmm. do the coyotes bring to the table as a sports team for us? They bring no fans. They don't go to the playoffs. They haven't been good. The, like I was saying, the one time they went to the playoffs, it was in Canada. They didn't even get to play in front of a home crowd. And mm-hmm. now Once again, this team is tanking and looking to rebuild and get a first overall pick like they didn't just do that five (laughs) years ago. We've gone back in time. We've gone back to 2015 where the Sabres and Coyotes are competing for a first overall pick again. And it's like you were saying, how long can you really be a fan of this team? And I I feel awful for the ones who have stuck it out through all these hard times, but even they have to be like, just what are we doing here? And Mm -hmm. I just don't see how the NHL with all the problems that it has had for, for decades, ever since it was moved there, just continue to burn money on this poor, poor team. And just, you got to try something else. Cause even like you were saying, if they do go with another arena, how long until they get kicked out of that one too, this, Mm -hmm. this time it's going to be different this time. All the other five times were just flukes this time we're getting it right. I don't believe it. I don't either. And I think it goes to show kind of how silly the NHL really is and can be Uh, prime example is the city of Atlanta. I mean, they had, they had the flames and they lost them and then they had the thrashers and they lost them. So 
it's kind of mind blowing to see kind of the debacle that's going on in, uh, in Arizona and them not really step in and say, Hey, listen, we need to, we need to make a change and we're forcing you to do so. Um, but you know, in a, in a time where there's no news for hockey, it's been, it's been nice to have something to talk about. So, yeah, uh, it's just unfortunate that it's at the, uh, the mercy of, you know, coyotes fans, all the, well, however many of them are left. Yeah. And it's, and you look around at other teams that have been in not the, not the same, but similar situations like Florida, they've always been in relocation talks. Like, Oh, no one goes to those games. They turned it around. They've turned mm-hmm. it around, and now I would say that they're contenders in the Atlantic to be a serious threat this season because they finally got some competent owner like management in there to yeah. build a proper team. You look at Carolina; they were they were terrible for a decade. They finally turned it around, made the playoffs again. No one's talking about the Hurricanes going to Quebec anytime soon. It's right. just you you even see those teams, even with the teams that don't have any money and they're in less than ideal locations, eventually they turn it around. Arizona has done nothing of the sort. They've just continued to just sit there at the bottom and do nothing. And you look at how well moving the Thrashers to Winnipeg ended up working out for the league. It gave them a better image of another Canadian team with a vibrant fan base. And now look at the Jets now. A few years ago, they were cup contenders and now they're one of the more recognizable Canadian teams. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't understand it. Like you were saying, I just don't understand why we just keep putting this organization through this and just not just pull off the bandaid and get it over with. It's just not going to magically start working. It's not, it's not. And we sit here and say that, watch them turn around and have like this miraculous season. We know it's, I mean, it's, that's just how hockey works. It's just one of those weird finicky, finicky leagues, but um yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really sad state of affairs that that, that franchise is in. Uh, feel terrible for the city, for the fan base, uh, for the guys in the locker room. I mean, how are you supposed to go in and and love yeah. the sport that you you know basically put your whole life towards just to you know when a roundabout way be told, hey, we're not going to try. Like you can go out there and try, and that's great, but we're not going to try as a team. So yeah. really upsetting, really sad, but. that's just kind of the business side of things, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you have Carter Hutton signed as your starting goalie after seeing what happened with him in Buffalo, there's, there's not a lot of confidence in that room going into a season, but like you were saying, I just feel, I feel so bad for everyone involved. Who's not ownership. Like they had nothing to do with this. This is just a mess from top to bottom. And who knows? Maybe they'll get that first overall pick. They get Shane Wright, and all of a sudden things look bright in Arizona again. But just with the way that franchise works, they're probably going to be picking fourth because I think the Sabres still are going to do a better job at tanking than they will. Arizona can't even win a tank battle. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think you put that brilliantly. Yeah, and just it's unfortunate, but I mean, it'll be good for us. Some central division fodder for us to see four times a year. And like we were saying, hopefully free wins. If they're not free wins, they will be very, they will be very good uh, self-reflection points to really analyze uh, how did we lose to this team? <laughs> they're not trying. Right. But yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a low bar for them, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. It'll be, they'll, they'll probably end up being a, plenty interesting team to watch for for all of the wrong reasons but jeff i think i've taken up uh, enough of your time <laughs> today just ranting about the the coyotes and their situation but thank you so much for for coming on the show today if you want to take some time to plug your show what you've been working on feel free to go right ahead uh yeah you can find us you can find me on twitter and instagram at laces out finkel f-i-n-k-l-e uh big Ace Ventura guy, last name's Fink, kind of just worked out that way. Um, you can find Wada Hockey at Wada Hockey on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. We even have a LinkedIn now because we're trying to be professional, I guess. Uh, but yeah, check us out. We're uh, on episode 37, working on 38. I think we're going to have uh, another kid from the Texas Stars, the AHL affiliate of the Dallas Stars on this week. Uh, we release shows every Thursday, so head over, check us out, and we'll, we'll be happy to have you. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate you taking the time to come and join us. And we'll hope to see the you and the stars pretty soon. I don't actually have the schedule pulled up in front. Actually, I think I remember it's the end of November will be 
in Dallas on the first half of a back-to-back. That's when we'll see you guys for the first time again. And I'm sure you guys are looking forward to it, but I can't uh... very much. I'm very <laughs> I, much looking forward to it. I've had that frustration stewing from the, the literal first hat trick in a game seven since <laughs> Wayne Gretzky sitting in me for it's going to be over a year at that point. So it'll be plenty fun to get those two back together. What I think is going to be a real battle in the central division. And who knows, maybe a playoff matchup on the horizon as well for the avalanche to to slay that second round demon, what better way than to go up <laughs> against the demon Yoel Kiviranta himself? Yep, JFK. Well, thank you so much for having me, and uh, happy to do this, and 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 always look forward to uh, talking again. Yeah, no problem. Hope to see you soon. Absolutely. And that was my conversation with Jeffrey Fink of the What a Hockey Podcast. Just a real blast of a guy to talk to. Had a great great conversation hope we can talk with him again pretty soon we'll be seeing the dallas stars for the first time like i was saying at the end of november in dallas for the first time since the that game in the bubble that i should probably stop talking about at this point but i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation i will be back on thursday with an episode of just me and i pretty much have a show plan planned out already Thursday's episode is going to be me ranting about how much I despise the NHL video games and why you need to stop buying them. And I, I'm about a second away from starting it right now. I'm going to hold it back. That will be the main focus of Thursday's episode, along with some of the wrap-ups that have happened in the NHL so far and pretty much whatever happens between now, which is Sunday and Wednesday when I record, but that is going to do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you once again to Jeffrey Fink for coming on the show to talk about the stars, but as I said, I will be back with just me on Thursday. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and hope to see you later this week. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so, so much, as always, for tuning in. It always means the world to me, and I will catch you guys later. Have a wonderful week.